We have an anchor. The anchor of the soul with Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ in Olive Branch, Mississippi. To the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. And now, Mike Hickson. As you well know, life is not always perfect. There are many things that come our way that literally knock us to the ground. And there are occasions in life when we face what might best be called a storm. And so in the storms of life, we need an anchor. We need something that's going to stabilize us and get us through the storms or trials that we're experiencing in this life. I want to begin by talking, first of all, about how we need to be anchored to the Savior. The passage that Tanner read a moment ago in Hebrews, the sixth chapter, talks about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who is, as the Hebrew writer described, an anchor of the soul. And listen to what he says concerning this anchor of the soul that he is both sure and steadfast. Now we talk about the stability and the strength of our anchor in Jesus. The word sure is used by the writer here means secure or safe. The word steadfast carries with it the idea of firm or stable. There are some things that come to mind as I contemplate these terms. First of all, I think we can be secure in knowing that Jesus Christ will always be there for us as an anchor of the soul. The Lord's not going to, He's not going to abandon us, walk away from us, but He will be there strengthening us in times of difficulty. I think also about the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ can bring stability to a life that is literally in the throes of a storm. Someone has best described the problems that we face in this life by saying there are three kinds of people that you meet in life. People that are about to have problems, people that are having problems, and people that are coming through problems. It may be the case that you don't have a storm going on in your life right now, but you can just brace yourself because sooner or later, a storm will come. And when that storm comes, you need an anchor for your soul. Now, typically when we talk about a ship or a vessel out in the water, we think about that anchor being thrust into the water. The anchor we're talking about is in heaven, isn't it? And the Lord Jesus Christ is the anchor of our soul. I mentioned a moment ago the fact that this anchor is not just stable or firm or secure, but we're talking about a strong anchor. It might be the case that some anchors under pressure resistance or whatever, they might break. Let me tell you what, the anchor we have in Christ, it's not going to break. 
It's not going to give way, but rather it's going to be, it's going to be there through the duration of the storm that we're facing. You remember the Hebrew writer said, speaking on behalf of the Lord, he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. The Lord Jesus Christ will be with us, come what may. And so anchoring down in the times of storm and really anchoring to the Lord Jesus Christ, it ought to be comforting or encouraging to us to know that we have an anchor to whom we can flee for refuge, to know that he'll be there for us, come what may. There's a second thing I want to share with you very quickly. And that is the fact that we need to anchor to the Scriptures. You ever thought about how the Scriptures are intended to inspire and encourage? In 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul said, Every Scripture is inspired of God. He said, And is profitable for correction, instruction, in righteousness' sake that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto every good work. I want you to just think for a minute about the Scriptures. This book that we call the Bible, cast aside by many, is extremely important. It's beneficial. It can bless our lives. And what Paul is saying in 2 Timothy chapter 3 is, this book can profit you. Somebody says, well, how so? Well, I think about the Old Testament. And the value of reading and studying and meditating upon the Old Testament scriptures. Paul would say in Romans 15, 4, Whatsoever things were written before time were written for our learning. That we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Think again about the storms of life that come our way from time to time. The trials, the tribulations and the difficulties, the the anxieties of life. And to know that we can go back to the Old Testament, we we can look to the New Testament, we can be inspired, we can be encouraged, our fears can be calmed. A couple of things I want to share with you along these lines. First of all, there are some biblical, biblical examples of people that have weathered the storms of life. Sometimes I think we read about certain biblical characters and we have the idea that they were superhuman, that they were not ordinary people. Well, I think that when you read the scriptures, there's no doubt that the people that you read about, many of these people are spiritual giants. But Listen, they had feet of clay just like we. They had their trials and their tribulations and their temptations and their struggles and their anxieties just as we. But you can go back and you can look at some of these biblical characters and you can see how they responded in adversity or anxiety. You can see how they made it through the storms of life and you can learn from that. I think that's what Paul is saying about the Old Testament. When you go back and you read, for example, about people like Joseph... Remember Joseph, don't you? 17 years of age, the favorite son of his father, sold into the hands of the Ishmaelites and Midianites, ends up in the land of Egypt. In chapter 39, we find him laboring in the household of Potiphar. He's been sold, 
sold out, as we would say, by his own brothers. The father that loved him dearly thinks he's dead. Jacob said, I'll go down to my grave in mourning. Joseph was alive, but he's in Egypt and he's serving under Potiphar. Potiphar's wife lied about him. And what did that, what did, what did that bring about? Imprisonment. Spent some two years in prison. But in chapter 39 of the book of Genesis, three times it is said in that chapter, the Lord was with Joseph. And you think about 17 years of age, being separated from your home, your family, your friends. You think about being in a foreign land and to know that even though your own flesh and blood have sold you out, the Lord's with you. And that's what Moses said in Genesis chapter 39 about Joseph. The Lord was with him. Not only was the Lord with him, but he prospered him and he was successful. There's a second person I think about in the Old Testament. We're all familiar with the life of Job, aren't we? And you can read Job chapters 1 and 2. And quite honestly, I don't know how that poor man made it. When I think about a father that buried 10 children, he was a wealthy man. He lost his wealth. He had been a healthy man. He lost his health. And then his own wife said, curse God and die. It would seem to some that the world was against Job. He had three friends that came to mourn with him. And they offered their reasonings as to why these calamities had happened to him. And their reasoning was skewed. How do you think Job made it? Now, I would grant that Job had questions and he may have misunderstood a lot of things. But there is a statement made by that patriarch that I think we ought to hold on to. In chapter 13, verse 15, Job said, Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Now I want to ask you a question. Was Job facing a storm in life? Let me tell you what, it wasn't just a storm, it was a hurricane. And yet that man made it through it, didn't he? How did he make it through it? With the help of God. Let me give you another example. What about David? When we talk about David, typically our mind... Our mind conjures up the thoughts expressed in Scripture that he was a man after God's own heart. He was by all means the greatest king over the United Kingdom, that is, the kingdom of Israel. David had his flaws and his problems in life. And if you'll read the Psalms, you'll, you will grow to appreciate and love David as a person. I want to encourage you. When you face the storms of life, go back and read the life of Joseph. Read the book of Job and read the Psalms. Let me give you a couple of passages of Scripture. In Psalm 56, David said, Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. When the storms are beating down upon you, and you, you ask the question, How am I going to weather this storm? It might be my health is failing me. 
It might be that I'm having financial difficulties. It might be that I've lost a job. It might be that I've lost a mate. I've lost a child. I've lost a loved one or a friend. How am I going to get through this? David said, whenever I'm afraid, I trust in you. In Psalm 57, there's another statement made by David. David said, In the shadow of your wings, I will make my refuge. And I love what he says next. Until these calamities have passed. What's David saying there? He's saying, my life is turned upside down. And I've got all kinds of problems and the storms are howling outside. But I'm going to take refuge in Jehovah God. And I'm going to stay in that place of refuge until these calamities have passed me by. Sometimes we're driving and a storm will arise. And the rain will literally beat down so hard that we will pull under an overpass, won't we? And wait it out. What are we doing? We're waiting till the storm subsides. That's what David is saying. Until that storm subsides, I'm going to find refuge under the wings of Almighty God. I want you to think about another statement that David made. He said, this I know. Now we talk about anchoring down in the storms of life and anchoring down to our Savior and anchoring down to the Scriptures. But listen to David. This I know. God is for me. When the storms of life come our way, sometimes it's easy to step back and to wonder, is God with me? Is God for me? Sometimes it's easy to question, am I battling this thing alone? What David is saying is, no matter what comes my way, there's one thing I know. God's for me. Let me give you another example, a New Testament example. Paul. Paul was a great man in a lot of ways. Paul wasn't a perfect man, but he was a good man. And Paul faced a lot of adversity in life. We talk about the storms of life and anchoring down. When I read the life of Paul, I see somebody that anchored down. You remember in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he talked about that thorn in the flesh. And he said that thorn in the flesh had been given to him by the Lord to buffet him. He said, lest I be exalted above measure because of the abundance of the revelations he had received. And so he said, I besought the Lord three times that it might depart. And what did God say? The Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you. Sometimes we turn to God and our lives are in upheaval. And the storms are battering down. And we pray to God like Paul. And what we have to take away from what Paul said is, God's grace is sufficient. It'll get us through, won't it? You remember Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16? Where the Hebrew writer said, Let us therefore draw boldly to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So Paul is an example of somebody who turned to God. And then I think about it in 2 Timothy chapter 3 when he talked about the persecutions and the afflictions that he faced at Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. 
He said, what persecutions I endured. And then he said, but the Lord delivered me out of them all. You remember chapter 4? In chapter 4, verse 16, he said, At my first defense, all men forsook me. I pray, God, that it may not be laid against their charge. And then he said, But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known. And he said, I was delivered out of the mouth of a lion. And he said, The Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. What's Paul saying there? He's saying you can trust in God. You can anchor your life to the Lord because he's sure and steadfast. So here are some examples of people that they faced some storms in life. And guess what? They got through them. It may be the case that we wonder sometimes, are we going to get through it? It may be that we wonder how in the world are we ever going to make it through? But we do, don't we? There's a third thing that I want you to, or before we get to a third thing, I want to share one other other quick point. And that is not only do we have biblical examples, but there are biblical exhortations to people just like us who are being battered by the storms of life. What kind of exhortations? Let me just call attention to a couple. I mentioned a moment ago, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, where the writer said, Let us therefore draw boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. When the storms of life are coming our way, when they're battering I mean battering our lives. The writer of Hebrews said we have the right, the privilege, the opportunity to go before the throne of God and to expect grace and mercy. What he's saying is you can expect help. In Philippians chapter 4, Paul said, In nothing be anxious, but in everything with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. When my life is turned upside down, can I turn to God in prayer? Can I expect Him to listen to my, to my prayers and to answer accordingly? Yes, I can. Prayer is a tremendous spiritual blessing. And to know that God in heaven is acutely aware of every single thing that we face in this life. You remember I said a couple of weeks ago, when we talk about God, And you think about the Scriptures and all the things that are said in the Scriptures about Almighty God. There are three characteristics of God that we ought ought to never forget. First of all, God is omniscient. That is, He's all-knowing. If God is all-knowing, that means He knows every single thing about me. Jesus said the very hairs of our head are numbered. The psalmist said, there's not a word on my tongue, but lo, O Lord, you know it all together. God knows everything. That means when I'm... When I am facing the storms of life and my life is being battered and beaten down, the Lord knows it. There's a second thing. Not only is the Lord omniscient, He's omnipresent. That means He is ever-present. There is nowhere you can go on planet earth to escape the presence of God. That means if you go to the four corners of the globe, 
the Lord God knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly what you're going through. And he's there with you. That is a tremendous, tremendous blessing. And then to know that God is omnipotent. That means he's all-powerful. God has the power to get you through, to get me through whatever struggles I'm facing in this life. Do you believe that? Do you believe in the power of God? That he has the ability to respond to our prayers, to providentially get us through the problems and the trials of life? Yes. So to know that we serve a God that is there for us. And then I think about the words of Peter in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, where Peter said, casting all your care. And note if you would, you know, we talk about the words of Scripture. I think every single word in the Scriptures is relative and important. Peter said, casting all, A-L-L. That means every single solitary care you have in this life, every single solitary storm you face in this life, you have the right, the privilege, the opportunity to cast it on Jehovah God. Peter said, casting all your care on Him. And why is that? For He cares for you. The Lord cares for you. He cares for all of us. To know that we have a God in heaven, that is acutely aware of everything we're experiencing in life, and he cares. Thirdly, we need to be anchored to the saints. I want you to know I'm thankful to be a member of the church. It's a blessing. And it is a blessing to be a member of this congregation. I believe that. I understand that the church is made up of people. And in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, Paul talks about the household of God. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul would say that we are fellow citizens of the saints and of the household of God. We are a divine family. We are a part of the body of Christ. And I'm grateful for this church. And I really believe that this congregation is a great church. What makes it great? Her people. Are we perfect? No. But we sure have a lot of stuff going for us. We're blessed. And I can't think of another church. I can't think of another church anywhere that has as much to offer as this church. Now, could we do more? Yes. But all I'm saying is we have so much to be grateful for. And, and when I think about the storms of life. To know that as God's family, there are some things that we can do for one another that you just can't find in the world. What do I mean? First of all, we can pray for one another. Now, sometimes people talk about picking up the telephone and calling some important individual, some prominent citizen, some powerful broker, we can bow in the presence of Almighty God for one another. There's a passage of Scripture found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 25. I want you to listen to what Paul said. Paul was an inspired apostle, wasn't he? 
And we talk about the greatness of the Apostle Paul and all the things that he experienced in this life. But here is Paul. Paul the Christian. Paul the servant. Paul the evangelist. Paul the brother. And here's what he said. Brethren, pray for us. Paul wanted those people to pray for him. I covet your prayers. And I want you to know, I thank God for you. And I'm grateful to God for every single prayer that you've offered up on my behalf and continue to offer up on my behalf because I need your prayers. But to know that as God's people, we can pray for one another. Jesus said that men ought always to pray and not faint in Luke 18.1. Really what he's saying is we ought to always pray and not get discouraged. Let me tell you, when the storms are howling in life, it's easy to get discouraged. It is easy to get down. So we can pray for one another. There's a second thing we can do, and that is we can encourage one another. When you think of Barnabas, what comes to mind? Barnabas had a tremendous talent. You know what that talent was? He was an encourager. There are some folks that just have the ability to encourage. Ray Maples is a great encourager. Billy's a great encourager. Brother Dio's a great encourager. Brother George. When I was sick, as I've been battling shingles the last 10 or 11 weeks, when basically I was confined to home, Billy would text me every day, and he'd ask me, how are you? And I'd respond back. And I told Billy, I think I told Billy, we were talking one time, and I said, you know, I come down to the end of every week, and I think, okay, this time next week, I'm going to be better, and I'm going to be able to preach on Sunday. Next week would roll around, guess what? No better. Can't preach. And you know, you get discouraged after a while. I love to preach. I want to preach. And I'm so thankful that Donald and Billy and Jared, I'm so grateful that they, step, that they stepped in and we kept right on rolling. But I got discouraged at times. And I'm a human being and I get discouraged sometimes. But man, it sure is nice to be encouraged. Paul said, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Paul would say in Romans 12, 15, that we are to weep with those that weep and rejoice with those that rejoice. All he's saying is we have to be there for one another. And then thirdly, we help one another. This congregation has helped people financially and materially. People that have experienced financial loss or property loss or whatever and that's biblical Paul said as we have opportunity let us do good unto all men and especially those who are the household of faith I want to close tonight by saying this you better anchor down you better anchor down in the storms of life because if you're not in a storm right now you will be one day and why is that because the world in which we live is not a perfect world and there are a lot of things that can literally turn your life upside down. And you know what? One of the things that I have learned about this life is this. Everything can be going great today. 
And tomorrow, your whole world's turned upside down. So you better anchor down. Button the hatches, as they say. If you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, I don't know how you make it. I really don't. I don't know how you make it in this life without God, without the Lord. I just don't know. I don't know how you do it. I want to encourage you to come to Christ. To realize that the Bible says God commendeth His own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. He died for you and for me. And the Bible says that if you will believe that Jesus is the Son of God and repent of your sins and confess His name before others and be baptized into Christ, every single solitary sin will be washed away. And God will put you in His family, the church that we're talking about, the household of God. And you'll enjoy all spiritual blessings. And we'll be bound together. And if you'll be faithful until death, the promise is the crown of life, Revelation 2.10. If you're here tonight and you're not faithful, you know, sometimes the storms of life can beat you down so much that you just give up. Maybe you've given up. You've gone back to the world. Why not come back? Come back home to a loving God who will abundantly pardon, 1 John 1, 9. Thank you for listening to the Anchor of the Soul. Your speaker has been Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ, located at 9100 East Sandage Road in Olive Branch, Mississippi. To hear this lesson again, go to olivebranchchurchofchrist.org. Tune in next Sunday for more of the Anchor of the Soul. Steadfast and sure while the billows roll, fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love.